Old Gold Club. Old Gold Club. So hello there and welcome along to another episode of Old Gold Club, My Golden Game. Delighted to say on this episode, joined by the head honcho of the Tampa Bay Rowdies, Neil Collins. How are you, my friend? Very well, Mikey. Great to speak to you. Thanks for uh, having me on. We're recording this on Zoom and you've got your press conference backdrop all perfectly set up already. This is this is what it is for you now, manager. This is like a like a press conference. I'm getting used to doing these press conferences in, in Zoom. So we've got the backdrop already. So uh, yeah, ready to go. Do you feel like a manager? I know that's kind of a, a slightly strange open question, but having been a player for so long, you know, when you look at managers that you played under, do you now see yourself like them? I, de- I definitely don't see myself as experienced as some of the managers I was lucky to play under and um, still feel that I'm very much in the early stages of it. But I would say, Mikey, that um, I don't feel like a player that's now a coach. I feel like more of a coach that played. I feel almost, um, and some some fans might agree that <laughs> they'll hope I was a better, I'm a better coach than I was a player. But um, I genuinely feel that this is what I was meant to do. I feel like um, really comfortable, really enjoying it, love it. So to answer your question, I certainly don't feel like I'm I'm at my peak as a as a coach, of course not. But I feel very much at home and and, and enjoying the role. You know, um, yeah, definitely enjoying it. Because I, I often think what it must be like for you guys, because obviously you kind of went into it quite quickly. There wasn't that kind of big break between stopping playing and then going off and doing badges and all that kind of stuff. So do you find it quite frustrating sometimes, especially when you're on the training field, that you kind of want to still be involved? You've still got that player's mindset sometimes. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I honestly don't. I think um, going overnight from playing to coaching took initially took a little bit of getting used to like how you could approach referees being a player and a coach slightly different um but once uh you know once I kind of got that transition over you know I really don't I, um I think it's good to have the players mindset to try and help the players and to try and understand from their point of view but I don't I don't really miss playing um because I'm really enjoying the role so much and I was very fortunate that I never suffered any serious injuries in my career. So I was able to play a lot of games and make the most of that and always gave everything I could. So I think I can look back saying I gave that my best shot and now doing something else. I know, I think players that finish and then don't initially go straight into something else, I can understand why they miss playing, you know, or maybe they go into a job that they don't enjoy as much. Then you miss playing, but I think I'm in the next best thing. Did you had you already kind of pre-planned this out though for the last few years of your career? Were you like, yeah, this is what I want to do? I know that I've kind of seen the future. I hundred percent wanted to be a coach, like no question about that. That's why I got my license when I was, I think I might have been 30, 31, completing my license. So I wanted to be prepared. But um I didn't expect to come in at this level straight away and, and in this role, I would have been uh, ready to go in at any level because I remember you coming to see me when um, when I worked at Sky yeah and I was based in Leeds and I think you were at Sheffield United yeah. at the time and it's kind of that thing of obviously like I don't know whether at the time you thought about media and and that was kind of a thing to do or whether it was just a case of 
people telling you like, yeah, go and see Mikey at this and just do me a favour. No, I'm always like really open-minded um, to any any opportunity. And I just love football. So the opportunity to come and sit with you and um, Sky Radio and talk about football is great. And, and I think as well, going into the job I'm in right now, being able to handle all aspects of it, is, is part of that it's been able to speak on you know news stations, radio stations, press conferences. So I think all these things just give you another string to your bow. So um, you know the media is something that if that opportunity came up and I was still in the UK, I, I think I, I would have taken it. But ultimately, it would have came back to coaching. I, I really know that I love being on the coaching um, on the field. You know, doing that and trying to help players get better and and, and help teams get better. So I think I'm in the right place. Where do you see the future going? Because obviously you've had great success already at Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the difference between maybe playing and coaching, as a player, you're definitely always in a rush, always in a rush because it's a short career. As soon as an opportunity comes to step up, you want to take it. You want to you want to try and reach that, the pinnacle. Um, I think as a coach slightly different um, you're still very ambitious but it's a longer career uh, hopefully if you do things right I know that I've got a lot to learn and I'm in a great environment right now so the future hopefully is going to be um, reaching the very very top um, but I think trying to make sure um, I'm prepared to get there and not just jumping at any opportunity because I know what I've got right now is great and an opportunity to build something with substance so uh, I really hope that in the, in the in the future I get a chance to possibly manage one of the teams that I've played for or um, you know, manage at the very top, but I've got a long way to go to get to that point. So is this our headline? Neil Collins wants the Wolves job. No, don't do that. I was I was on my um, <laughs> I did my I did my B license for Nuno. Okay. Um, so that was my first uh, introduction to Nuno. Nuno was at, at the time, I think he was the goalkeeping coach at Porto. Um, if I'm right, he, he was either that or the third choice keeper. I can't remember exactly, but he was a great guy. Really enjoyed talking with him. Um, I can't say that I've seen enough to suggest he was going to go on and have the career that he was, um, but just a really good guy and delighted to see how well he's done. And uh, his assistant, Ian Cathro, was also on the course at the time. So um, it's great to see someone that you know you were going through the process with doing so well. It just shows you what's possible. Yeah, because it. Yeah, because for people that don't know, Nuno actually did his coaching badges in Scotland, and he he's talked to me in the past about um, his memories of it of kind of watching old FA Cup videos of like the eighties and stuff, and that and that's kind of like you're laughing because I'm guessing that was a key part of the course to to pick up on stuff. Yeah, and I think. Um... I remember one, the story I told prior about Nuno um, was his coaching style uh, was was slightly different. I remember it was his turn to, to do his session and he was very forceful in what he wanted. And um, it was very interesting to see, you know, he had a, he had a very specific um, coaching point and he made it in a certain way. And I liked it in terms of there was no uh, grey area and you can see why he's went in and, and had the impact he's had at the clubs he's managed because he knows what he wants and he knows how to get it. So, um, yeah, it was, good. it was a good learning point 
to see someone like that and how he did it. And it's just amazing the people that you meet on these courses and uh, where they're at now. Well, it's that element, isn't it, of football being quite a small world. I mean, you know, when you obviously got your job and you wanted to make some changes, you called on an old teammate in Kevin Foley to to come and be your assistant. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing, isn't it, about about football. People always ask me what was the best thing about your career, and it was the people that I met, um, not just players, but staff, you know, staff and background staff. And um, Kevin was one of those guys. Apart, and you speak to Mickey, a lot of players that have played for Wolves, and from that period that I was there, a lot of the guys say the same things. It was a fantastic group of, of people, and uh, Kevin, I'm very fortunate, decided to, to take the opportunity and come and work with me, and he's done a great job. And uh, the players and the people at the club really like him, and you won't be surprised to hear, because he's such a likeable guy, and he does um, the role that I need, and that's being able to relate to players, being able to talk to players, being able to communicate and, and just be, um, I wouldn't say exactly similar to TC, but play that role that um, supplements and complements, you know, the, the things that I maybe don't do as well. Yeah, I was going to say, is he the Terry Connor to your Mick McCarthy? But I don't know whether either of you would take that comparison nicely. No, I, 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 I mean, I hold Mick and TC in the highest regard. I think TC is one of the best assistants uh, I ever got the opportunity to work for. And, and Mick, of course, definitely the, one of the best managers, if not the best. I mean, Kev's very different to TC, but the principles of just being that bridge and, um, and working with players and making them better, I think TC is one of the best I've ever seen at that. Um, and, and, and Kev definitely shown that he can help players get better. So... No, we, none of us um, would be proud to try and have the careers that, that TC and Mick have had in the game. Um, for your golden game, it it's such a strange one, this, because it's only like, I mean, I know we're kind of into 2021, but we're really early into it. But like, it doesn't feel that long ago to me. But I mean, we're going right the way back to the end of 2008, the 20th of December, a 1-0 win away at Doncaster in the promotion season. When I asked you for what your golden game would be, you were like, I can't believe you're even having to ask me this question. And I was like, well, I I don't really remember this game as being that remarkable in that entire season. But for you, it clearly was. Yeah, I mean, I I think... um... I don't know if you remember there was a there was a book there was a book released at the end of um, that that season with, with players and staff talking about memories of different games and I think that season, I mean the Nottingham Forest game comes up as a fantastic game, um, the Derby game uh, we we when we scored in the last minute was obviously a special game there was a couple others I do think that game got mentioned um, by players. And it wasn't a particularly great game in terms of the spectacle. But uh, one thing that I'll never forget, and obviously I, sc- I scored the winning goal, which was was a big part for me personally, but in the changing room afterwards, the it was it was electric afterwards. We'd just, um, previous weekend, been in our Christmas party and um, came off the back of that and everyone was in the great spirits. And I think that was just, you know, we went, I think, seven or eight points clear at the top of the table. It was Christmas. We were flying high. And it was just one of the best um, experiences I've had coming in the dressing room and everyone being so together. 
uh, after the game. So uh, that was definitely one of the, not just scoring the goal, but, but that environment after the game was great. I, I bet that Christmas party was something. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to ask you any more of that because there's probably stories I'd have to edit out anyway. Um, right. But like, it, obviously it was a, a big moment for you as well to get the winning goal. And I imagine from a centre-half's point of view, like it's a it's a proper kind of dream goal as well because it's that ball hung up in there and it's like for once you get to go and attack it in an attacking sense in an offensive sense and boy did you for that one again you know very individual to me but there's so many backstories to that day I wasn't meant to be starting the game Michael Manson and Steers at the time were were, were the centre back partnership but. We got to the stadium. Michael had a, a migraine. I don't know if it was a migraine or he'd seen the field and he didn't want to, he'd seen the pitch and he didn't fancy it. But um, I got the call to play and I remember, I remember my previous two games, we'd beaten Sheffield United and we'd beaten Blackpool. But then Mick had reverted to, to Manson Steers because they'd done so well. And I remember feeling a bit under pressure because we were on a great run again. I think we just won two or three of the last games so I didn't want to let the team down and then um, at half time saying to Michael Kiley you get an opportunity look for me in a set piece because I, I think I've got the beating of um, the guys that were marking me that day and, and Kites as he very often did for me put it put it exactly where I wanted it and I got the opportunity to I should say attack a ball it was just a, a great moment because we had Two or three thousand Wolves fans right behind the goal, and as a player growing up, that's what you dream of: playing for a big club like Wolves, scoring in front of their way following. Um, I remember three or four of them come across, came over the hordings, and yeah, that that's just why you play football for moments like that. Because uh, you mentioned goal scoring, like you and it's not a bad record. For a defender, you know, you picked up quite a few. I think you got four in that season. And bear in mind, that's pretty much up until January, really. Those are some I mean, key I think, moments. I think um, you're doing me a disservice. I'm not bad. I mean, t- 10 and ten and 100 games, I think, more than adequate for a centre-back. No, no, that's I what I mean. Like, away I'm... The same amount of penalties in that time, but... Uh... <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, you know, that's, you know, that's a very good return from a, from a defender's point of view. Yeah, I think um, those two seasons, the yeah, I scored. I think I scored for that. Yeah, I scored. I scored the game following that one as well at home to Sheffield United. So scoring back to back games, I think maybe actually three out of four games, uh, three and four games around that period. And again, when you say like favorite favorite games, I was very very fortunate to score. I think three last minute winners at Molyneux as well. One against Coventry one against Scunthorpe and one against Cambridge in the FA Cup the previous season. And again, these are memories that me and, and, and my family that were in attendance always look back on fondly because, again, Molyneux, just a fantastic stadium. And you dream of scoring last-minute goals. As a centre-back, you don't get that chance too often. And I was very fortunate to kind of capitalise on the, the opportunities I did have. So, yeah, great moments. What is that like? Because I'll never experience that feeling. Obviously, I've I've been there, watching it and commentating on it. But that moment where it's you know it's like this is it. This is there's no coming back from this. 
I mean, it's, it's the, the way you feel as a fan in those moments as a fan of your team scoring a last-minute goal and that elation. I mean, I think you can just times that by 10. It's, it's, it's kind of indescribable. I think, um, again, it's the kind of moments you, you do dream of. Coventry at home, I remember it was the last corner of the game, the ball comes in and I scored. And, it, and it's just, um, as I say, it's indescribable because... It's, it's the moments that you that you kind of picture when you when you're young and everyone plays football when they're young growing up and you're playing with your dad or you're playing with your friends. These are the moments you kind of you joke about and you practice and you shoot and you pretend it's the last minute of the game. So, no, again, these these were great moments and uh, I was I was so fortunate to have them at Wolves during a time where we had a great team, great guys. Um, and that that one particular season, you know, the Doncaster game, it was it was a pivotal time in terms of just solidifying us at the top of the table. Yeah, and I guess it's that it's that element to it whereby, like even Mick, I think in his post match said, you know, you all kind of knew just how big that could be, and actually, kind of the way the teams form went a little bit after that, it, it did turn out to have that kind of key element to it because I think there was only one win basically from that point on there was only one win up until March really so it it was kind of a key a key point for the team it was it was and you just never know that we we look back um, and I think up to that point in the season we were just relentless yeah we had the odd blip a couple of results but we were relentless and then you say we just had results where we were drawn. We drew, we drew some, and then coupled in with some bad results. So, yeah, when you can get all those wins on the board um, and have that momentum, you just never know when the momentum might might be stifled. Um, but I think again, you look at that end of that season, and um, the points total was was pretty impressive. Um, but definitely from the start of the season up to Christmas, we were we were streets ahead and. Um, it was very hard for teams to kind of come back because we'd have, we'd amassed so many points, and even despite you know the kind of blips that we had between the, then and the end of the season, we were able to see over the line. I've just been watching the goal back again because I've got to tell people this that when we did discuss that we were going to do this game, you had the link to that goal so quickly as if it was just constantly there ready to send to people desperate to show off this thing but also the celebration needed work my friend it was just arms out walking to the crowd you just got to soak it in Mikey you know you just got to you know it was um, you know again if you watch that video back it's a shame actually because so Neil Sullivan's the goalkeeper uh, be him but actually, as I run off to celebrate, I knee someone right in the face who, who's fell over. Um, and he's he's concussed. And you'll see Neil Sullivan wave on. He actually waves on the, the physio. And he had to get carried off. I think I knocked two of his teeth out. Um, wow. So, but in terms of the celebration, um, no regrets about that. I, I, I was able to soak that moment in and... Um, Enjoy it, enjoy it, you know. And you clearly watched it back quite a few times since. I, I'm not going to deny I have watched that back. <laughs> and, um, I've watched that back, you know, um, not in a while, but uh, it was definitely a good reason to get that link up and watch it again. 
how do you look back on that year then? Because as I say you scored quite a few goals in that little period. You had a big contribution early on. And then like Mick goes and gets Christoph Berra. Uh, and that's kind of you done then for the rest of the campaign. Yeah, I mean, um really I look back on that season very fondly um for a number of reasons. Obviously we won the championship. I played, I think, um just under 30 games all, all told. But there, there's definitely a better sweet part of it, as you as you said, and uh, and I understand why, because I obviously didn't have I had a couple of poor performances and, and what happens then is you lose your place and we strengthened, we got we got Christoph in. I got sent off in a game that was my last league game for Wolves, where I scored on goal in the first minute, got sent off in the last minute. And and funny enough, in between actually played played well but that game's always remembered for those two moments that was difficult there was no question that it was difficult at the end of the season because uh, I, you know I think I'd, I'd had contributed a lot up to that point uh, Jody came in and done fantastic well next to Christoph and, and, and Richard Steeman was in the same boat he had to stay at the side and, and watch so it was very difficult I think um, if I was more experienced I could have handled it slightly differently as well but it's just part of being a professional footballer. You know, it can change, can change instantly. In, in, in hindsight, I went from playing a lot to, to not playing, not kind of being involved. And again, that's what happens when teams go in promotion. Team players don't generally get injuries. Uh, they, they're they all fit. Everyone's dying for place. In hindsight, again, I, I would have maybe stayed and, and fought for my place heading into the Premier League. But um, I just wanted to play and I just felt kind of, the way the things had, had ended, I just was so desperate to get back out and get playing. Um, maybe just too hasty to just do that. But um, I wish I'd maybe enjoyed it a little bit more at the time as well. I think at the time I did enjoy it, but felt tarnished a little bit with the fact that I just, was the last 10, 15 games I hadn't played and hadn't mm. been on the field. And I was very much someone that wanted to help. But all in all, as I say, a great group of people. So that, made it an enjoyable experience sharing it with those guys. But yeah, it's just a strange, just a strange time, you know, when 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 it's meant to be so enjoyable, but it was definitely tarnished by that. Thanks for listening to the old goal club. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review and rating from wherever you get your podcasts. We can't welcome you to the Wolves Mega Store at the moment. But our online store is available 24-7. Visit shop.wolves.co.uk for huge savings on replica kits, training wear and exclusive Wolves clothing ranges.